Hi, listeners. My name is Loretta Anderson. Welcome to Grade 1 class at Emmanuel Christian School in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, Canada. Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. This is the Every Square Centimeter podcast, a project of Christian Schools Canada. And today we are elevated to have you join us as we tour this beautiful country we call Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the people, places, and practices in and around Christian education. In our last stop on our virtual tour of Canada, we spent time in the prairies with a big boss, Gail Monsma. As we learned, we all need a geography teacher to teach us a few things about continents. We learned how staff can have some good, clean fun when administration is out of the building or not so clean if it involves laying sod. We learned how the Alberta Alternative Program is peculiar in the Canadian Christian school landscape. We learned about the humble beginnings of a little thing we like to call teaching for transformation. We learned some of the specific barriers that women face in leadership and some of the exciting new initiatives that are happening to support women leaders. And last of all, we learned a little bit about irony. Yeah, if for those of you that maybe listen for the last few episodes, you might have gotten a kick out of Darren, the very person that confessed to changing everybody's name to a Dutch name at a conference that he was supposedly helping out at. Yes, that Darren offered in all seriousness our services to Gail if a women's conference was ever to be planned. <laughs> Darren... I'm assuming they would not let you be in charge of name tags, so I'm curious what skills you could actually offer. Well, if you remember correctly, Jeremy, I offered all of our services, not just my own. So I think other than, <laughs> as I compare the three of us, some average to above average eye candy yes, at the welcoming table, I also believe I could stuff ho- host bags and make okay. sure that the refreshments are always topped up and ready to go. <laughs> I think I could do that as well. Um, and I'm good at smiling. So those, that's, that's what I bring to, the, to that if Gail is interested. Yeah, that's fair. I think you could also do like the coffee or, you know, restaurant, you know, recommendations. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I trust you with the gift bags. I just, the name tag thing that, that's thrown me in terms of planning. Yeah, I take that. But when I say I could stuff gift bags, I'll step out of the way while you guys okay. are stuffing gift bags and I'll <laughs> worry about uh, making sure that uh, the job gets done and that uh, you can be trusted as well. So I think it would go both ways. So that, that means he's going to be like a mini boss to you and me, Jeremy, yeah, as opposed to a big boss. He bas- Yeah, basically he offered up our services, like Justin and I's services, and he's going to smile and boss yeah so yeah anyway it was an honor visiting gail so go and listen and tell other big bosses to listen as well but today we're in charlottetown charlottetown and i'm referring to us as a troop a charlottetowner troop loretta what do you think a charlottetowner no that's not gonna go <laughs> no sorry no there is a name for people who live in charlottetown and they're called townies Townies. Okay. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I've heard that reference in some towns just in general, but I love that it's owned. Okay. So, oh, ta- yeah, we own the name. <laughs> a townie troop. That sounds good. Uh, alliteration. So, <laughs> we love alliteration there here. So, get to get to know our townie troop, we're going to start our podcast off with the name segment. 
My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education, or PCCE, and alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. I Like My Presence in Brown Paper Bags, Darren Speaksma. Hey, Troop. Hey, hey Darren. Darren. Darren, tell me about a biking-related accomplishment. So if by accomplishment you mean catastrophic hospitalization, um, I think I'm going to go with that Absolutely, uh, because coming up with a biking related accomplishment uh, wasn't easy for me. But um, I had one time biking home from a friend's pool and we're flying along as kids will do. This was pre-helmet days. Um, you can imagine a wet feet. So no shoes, wet feet, wet bathing suit. Uh, We were flying and I slipped off the seat on the wet bathing suit, slipped off the pedals and went down. And the next time I woke up, I was in the hospital. That's the sort of thing. Parents were terrified, of course. I had uh, road rash for weeks. Um, So that's the closest I could come to an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So I know... I know my vocabulary well enough to know that that's not really an accomplishment, but uh, that's the best I could come up with. No broken bones, Darren? No, miraculously, no broken bones. But a concussion of sort. Yes. Yeah. Ouch. Yes. Road rash up one side of my body. It was bad. From road rage to road rash, you've done it all. (laughs) From advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy who doesn't wash his hair, Justin Cook. Hey, Canada. Oh, Canada. Canada. That was, was, I don't know if that was really good or I'm not sure. Mm. Justin, can you tell us about a biking related accomplishment? Well, people around me have a lot of biking accomplishments. Uh, My co-owner, a uh, friend here in the house bikes every day to Redeemer University. My brother is on Strava. He's like, you know, virtually racing all kinds of people on, on uh, biking loops. But I think the closest thing I get to that is using a Sobe bike. That's like a social kind of uh, for rent bike here in Hamilton uh, with a bunch of friends. We did a little craft brewery tour Oh yeah, on bikes. Uh- that was that mm-hmm. awesome and quite an accomplishment, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you made it home, so that's an yeah. accomplishment in itself. Yeah. Uh, excellent. And as we heard off the top, we are honored to be welcomed virtually into Emmanuel Christian School by Loretta Anderson. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Loretta. Thanks so much for being with us. Can you tell us uh, maybe about a biking-related accomplishment? Yes, I sure can. So... On Prince Edward Island, we have a trail that goes from one tip of the island to the other tip. It's called the Confederation Trail. And this trail used to be a railroad, actually, but we don't have uh, trains anymore. So they made it into a biking trail. So a big accomplishment for me is my husband and I biked the entire trail, just over 300 kilometers from one tip of the island to the other in four days. So that was a big accomplishment for me. Wow. (laughs) And it was... Definitely a fun adventure and a good way to see PEI. That's awesome. Did you prep for it? Did you guys do a bunch of biking before? Uh, We've always biked a fair amount, but not really. In fact, the last day, we were supposed to take five days and do around 60 kilometers each day. 
And the last day, my husband's like, you can just do the whole thing. He's he's an avid biker, no problem. Mm. But so I ended up doing 100 kilometers the last day, which I had never done in my life. So I was pretty proud that day. <laughs> that is awesome. That is an accomplishment, I think, in the actual sense of the word. Um, <laughs> I'm unfortunately going to bring us back to really an unaccomplishment. I, I also don't really have a wonderful biking accomplishment, but probably about, uh, I don't know, a few months, maybe half a year into COVID. Um, I don't know if you remember the feeling, everyone, but being kind of trapped there. The, at that time, the, uh, the rules were a little more strict than they are currently at the time of this recording. And it really felt like we were trapped. And I don't know about you, but sometimes during that trap times, my wife and I would have uh, arguments, you know, eloquent discussions around philosophy and all that. But anyway, it was one of those times where I, I said, I'm going to go for a bike ride. I need to get out of here and just... And so I, I got, I started an angry bike ride and I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to do this loop that's around, it's a gravel road loop and it's far larger, but I, the, the emotion of, of myself thought I could take it on. And about halfway through, I thought I, I may need to call my wife, which would have been a very <laughs> humiliating experience. I think, um, if you know what I, you know, in, in those moments, like that's not the, per, you know, I, this humbling phone call. Could you come get me on the other side of this gravel road hill? Anyway, I did survive it. Uh, I got back close to dark and it shouldn't have been dark. Um, and so I'm just happy I made it home. The accomplishment was I didn't have to call my wife um, and, and we made it home. And the exhaustion was all I needed to come home. Uh, it was actually good. So COVID uh, saving um, activity. For the second half of our opening square, we have our, our host choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with AIM. If you remember last time we played a game called Yeehaw or Yeehaw, um, feel free. If someone wants to market that, feel free to take it. Um, we're willing to give it up. Uh, I know it's, it's genius. Um, but today, Loretta has chosen the segment. Loretta, can you do a, a drum roll for us? Oh, that is beautiful. It is game. Yeah. Game time. All right. Game. Something that invites joy or have some fun or have our listeners make fun of us or something. So today, Loretta gave a couple options, and one of them was maybe something around family feud. And so we've come up with a game called Faculty Feud. Okay, and for this game, I've looked up some family feud type questions that are related to school. Justin, Loretta, and Darren are all going to be on the same team. I'm going to yes. pose the question to them. Woot, they're woot. going to, tr yeah, <laughs> they're going to try to answer the questions before getting three buzzes. Okay, so if they get three wrong, then I get the point. If they get all four of the answers before, then they get the point. All right, Jeremy, I just want to know, um, like. What noise is going to be for if we get the question right and what noise right. is going to be for if we get the right question call. wrong, just so yeah. we know, right. so I know right. whether to be nervous about my answer or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, just all just <laughs> wonderful question, Darren. So <laughs> a, a wrong answer will sound something like this. How's that? Is that a, okay? Yeah, that's good. I, that I understand that. That's yeah. good. Okay. The correct answer, uh, I'll just make it up as we go, no? <laughs> or how about a ding, ding, ding? Oh, I like that. That's is good. That good. Okay. Yeah. Just a, right. just a little higher. Right? No, that is as high as we're getting <laughs> tonight. Thank you. Okay. Uh, first question. 
Uh, it's coming to you first, Justin. Actually, no, yes. Darren. Darren can get oh. this first after those questions, okay? <laughs> Name a place where school children often go for field trips. Okay, so there's four answers. Name a place where school children often go for field trips. I'm going with a pumpkin patch. That's that's really specific. Um, I like it. I, would that fall under the category of farm? Yes, yes totally okay. it would. I will give it to you. Ding, ding, ding. Even though that was way too specific, just for future reference, okay? <laughs> I was leaving uh, it up to the judge to make the inference necessary. Okay, well, that's a lot of inferencing. Risky. That's and risky. Remember, <laughs> Loretta and Justin, your role when a person is is good answer, good answer, good answer, oh, yeah. right? Good yeah. answer. Good answer, yes. good answer. Okay, yeah, there we go. Okay, gotcha. so next, que- uh, next person, uh, Justin, name a place where school, actually, Loretta, name a place where school children often go for field trips. We already took farm. I'm going to say their local amusement park. Yes. Oh, good answer. Good answer. Okay. It's up well, there. It's up it's, there, Jeremy. It's up there. Number one. There's number one, one. There is one here called Park. Does that oh, count? Okay. Yeah. Yes. 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 yes, it does. Okay. We got two. No. I, I, ding, I didn't ding, hear ding. the ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. There we go. Justin, <laughs> it's coming to you. Name a place where school children often go for field trips. We got park and farm. Museum, guys. Got to go Museum. Good, good answer. answer. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah, that actually is exactly the wording that was used for the first time. So thank you. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, there is one more left, Darren. It's coming back to you. Whew. Come on, Darren. Hold on. Pause. Do we get like bonus points for like a clean, a clean sheet, like zero wrong? That's got to be worth two, Jeremy. Okay. You guys can have a clean sheet bonus point. Sure. Okay. Thank you. But that's a no, lot of pressure on Darren. No though. pressure, Darren. I'm going fire hall. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Fire Hall's not one of them. Oof. So we. This is actually the top answer. Just so you know that you're missing so far. Loretta, what? we're coming to you. So far, we've had museum, park, and farm. I'm gonna say because a lot of our students go to this a pioneer village, Ooh. but I'm not too. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. We're down to the. <laughs> that was a good answer. Just for the record, that was a good answer. <laughs> I forgot my role in the good answer yeah. department. So, because that was a good answer. Justin, it's all on you. Oh boy, how a much time for, do I have? You have five seconds. The number one answer. Three, two, uh, one. The woods, a forest. <laughs> <laughs> The woods. Oh, okay. a swimming pool. Oh. Swimming pool. Is that no, it? No, no. Rec center. No, it is a zoo. Was oh, the no. answer. It was a zoo. That is a point for me. Don't worry, we have two more rounds here. Okay. Oh, I thought that was just. Oh. Okay. I should get. I should get at least something for wanting to find the animals in the true wild, as opposed to a zoo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. It's probably a healthier way of going about animal watching, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, question number two. Uh, we'll come to Loretta here. You'll go first this time, Loretta. So number two, uh, name something a school wastebasket is probably full of. So what's in a trash can in a school? Paper. Okay. Lots yes. of paper. Good answer. Good answer. That, is the, that is the number one answer. Ding, ding, Yay. ding. Yes. Yes. Okay, Justin, coming to you. Uh, apple cores? Apple cores. Good answer. Well, Okay. <laughs> Compostables. Come Compostable. It's very how, specific. How, how, um, okay. Uh, uh, it's not just, the top uh, four. So organic uh, waste. 
Nah, Darren, you did, you're up. You didn't give me a chance to clarify, Jeremy. <laughs> what no, about no wrappers, point. Jeremy? Yeah, food wrappers is in there. So we have paper and we have food. Ding, ding, ding. Food wrappers and paper are correct. Loretta, back to you. Pencil shavings. Oh, oh yes. Yes, good answer. Very good. That is the small, that's the lowest answer. So that's probably the most challenging. So ding, ding, ding. We have food wrappers, pencil shavings, and paper. Coming back to Justin. Well, I'm sad to say, I think I'm going pop cans. And oh. Oh, this is, this is going to be a for three game. in this game, guys. Darren, uh, I think there's two already strikes. This is now up to you. How is there two strikes? I thought we just had a pop can strike. Where was the uh, other think, strike? No, Apple Core. There was, I, oh, there was an Apple yes. Core strike. I'm Dar- both our strikes right yeah. now. Yeah, Darren, you get the final shot at this one. What about like dried out pens? And <laughs> I knew Sorry. it was a bad answer, and Sorry, I could tell because Justin and Loretta didn't even give me they a good answer. answer on I even that gave one. I even gave space for them to say it. Yeah, the answer was gum, which I I don't think would what? be right. But Mm-mm. this is somebody trying to. Pre- okay, last one, last okay, one. Come on. Which yeah. school grade would a teacher need most patience in order to teach? Okay, which school grade would a teacher need most patience in order to teach? Justin, we're starting with you. I'm assuming we're in the K-12 range. That's I, I'm, gonna, I'm going kindergarten. Darren and Loretta aren't so certain. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. They do think <laughs> good answer. That I is the third answer, Justin. Ding, ding, ding. Darren, what do you think? So my good answer from the late previous one was because I was frustrated that he stole my answer, but I'm going grade seven. Good answer. That's exactly what I was going to say. Good answer. Okay. Ding, ding, yeah. ding. That yes. is correct. You guys now have the third and fourth answer so far. You have kindergarten and seventh grade. Loretta, what do you think? I'm going to say... Don't be humble, Loretta. Don't be <laughs> humble. Agreed. Grade one. Ding, ding, ding. That, <laughs> was the, that was the number one answer, Loretta. There you go. As a grade one teacher, that should... Uh, make you a little bit uh, uh, proud of your accomplishment, being the most patient, apparently. Justin, this is an opportunity for a double. Remember, I have two points. You have an opportunity oh. to tie the game right now, actually, <laughs> with a clean sweep. Which grade would a teacher need most patience in order to teach? There's got to be a high school. Is it K-8 or K-12? Can K-12. I know that? K-12. Okay, so we got to go to high school, eh, team? I'm oh, yeah. thinking. I'm thinking it's got to be... Well, is it like this is me in grade nine, baby, or is it like the graduating class of grade twelve? I'm going graduating class of grade twelve. Good answer. Ding, good answer. Ding, ding, yeah. sweet. We did it. Okay, yes. that means we have one more question to break the tie oh, here. Very yes. impressive. Sudden death. All right. Name a reason why a kid might not wear his ordinary clothes to school. Name uh-huh. a reason why a kid might not wear his ordinary clothes to school. Darren, we're starting with you. Dress up day. Yeah, great answer. That's correct. We're going to count that as Halloween or dress up day. Okay. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. So that's one of them. Yes. Loretta. I'm going to say my favorite day, one of them, pajama day. Well, I'm going to put that's that under answer. dress up day, though. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so, so I need another reason. Day would for sure. Yeah. Another reason they yeah, don't give me another one. wear their regular clothes to school. Oh. This is, this is tricky. <laughs> I don't know. 
I can't even think of four options just, for this. For the record, I am an aficionado of feud, and sudden death is only one question and one answer. It's just oh. the top answer. I think we won. Ooh, there we go. Nice so, job, right you got it first. The other op- options were they're dirty, picture oh. day, and they wear a uniform, which talks back to uh, a for you. So thank you so much. Uh, Loretta, thank you for that uh, idea. Um, and for allowing us to play a game with you. Listeners, we hope you played along. And if you disagree with any of these answers, let us know. Tweet us at every square centimeter or message us on Instagram. I would love to know what you think the hardest grade to teach is and why. We're always looking for listener responses for our Campfire episodes, so send us something. We're going to transition from our opening square to the part of the podcast where we learn a little bit about places in Canada and celebrate the people and practices in Christian education. But before we do... Here's a word from a sponsor that we don't find difficult at all, Edgedale. Hello, I'm Leonard DeVisser, and I teach at Providence Reformed Collegiate in Kamoka, Ontario. For the past two years, I've invited Edgedale to facilitate a workshop on poverty for my grade 11 English class as we study the novel Cry the Beloved Country. As the characters in the novel wrestle with how to restore brokenness between individuals, between communities, between people and the land, and ultimately people and their God, Our class wrestles with the question, what does reconciliation look like in our community? The presentation by Edudeo beautifully frames our unit, helping us understand the novel, but more importantly also, ourselves. This workshop has been instrumental in inviting my students to see their role in the kingdom story and to respond faithfully. If you're interested in inviting Edudeo into your classroom to speak about poverty or a variety of other topics, contact Lori Koning by emailing schools at edudeo.com. As we heard off the top, Loretta teaches at Emmanuel Christian School in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, Canada. Justin, can you tell us a bit about what you discovered about Charlottetown on the World Wide Web? I can indeed. We're going to talk Charlottetown and also the entire island, uh, because Loretta actually isn't a townie. Is that true, technically, Loretta, or would you still be considered a townie? Oh, no, I'm not a townie. Okay, because you just live outside? I live in the country. Yeah, nice. Well, people consider it the country, but it's yes. not that really that far. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right, so let's acknowledge first that Charlottetown is located on the traditional and unceded territory of the Abegwek Mi'kmaq First Nation, and the Mi'kmaq Confederacy represents both the Lenox Island and the Abegwek First Nations and was formed in 02. Uh, Epiquic is the traditional Mi'kmaq name given to the island, meaning something lying on the water. And I appreciate this. In 2020, the island included Mi'kmaq place names on many of the place name signs across the island, especially in um, kind of uh, First Nations regions in the island. The British, however, named PEI after Prince Edward. He was the Duke of Kent. He's a military guy. He predates Canada, but was allegedly the first person to use the name Canadian in a unifying way in an attempt to settle a dispute between lower and upper Canada residents. I think it was like a a voting situation. Prince Edward is also the father of Queen Victoria. So uh, he was the fourth in line. And uh, so the the throne skipped him. He stayed a prince, but his daughter was first in line and she became queen. He was also one of the first royals to spend significant time in Canada. He lived in Halifax, actually, from about 1791 to 99. 
And I think we got to off this off the top, at least highlight that uh, Charlottetown is kind of the birthplace of Confederacy. Uh, 1864 is when the conversation started. Uh, the Fathers of Confederation met and negotiated the terms of Confederation at three conferences, actually. One was in Charlottetown, but another was in Quebec City and one in London, England. And their work resulted in the BNA Act, the British North America Act, Canada's Constitution. Passed by the British Parliament and at its creation in 1867, the Dominion of Canada included four provinces. Anybody want to guess? Nova Scotia. That's one. Ding, ding, ding. Ontario. Ding, ding, ding. Prince Edward Island. (laughs) Nope. New Brunswick. Yep. Missing a biggie. Newfoundland. No. No. Quebec. Quebec. Upper Canada. Between then and 1999, six more provinces and three territories joined Confederation. So there's a couple things. Loretta, I feel like this is a little cliche. So call me on this at the end if these are just kind of like, you know, boring for you as uh, an islander. But uh, so Anna Green Gables, anybody who's been to PEI knows I have to mention Anna Green Gables. So Lucy Maud Montgomery was born in Clifton, now New London, on the North Shore of PEI in 1874. And her mother died when she was an infant, so she was raised by her maternal grandparents in Cavendish. And there's some similarities, do you notice there, between Montgomery and Anne herself? Uh, And I've heard that Anne of Green Gables is based quite a bit on Montgomery's own life. And then there's other one other big kind of common thing that PEI is known for, at least in my understanding. Fellas, you want to take a stab at what that is? Potatoes. Potatoes. Oh, nice. So I'm not going to say any more. I'm going to leave it up to the iconic Canadian folk musician Stompin' Tom (laughs) Connors. Classic. It's Bud the Spud from the bright red rug, rolling down the highway, smiling. The spuds are big on the back of Bud's rig, and they're from Prince Edward Island. They're from Prince Edward Island. Bravo. Bravo. That's a ding, 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 too. Nice work. (laughs) You nailed it. Loretta, how did you end up in Charlottetown or in the in the countryside of Charlottetown? (laughs) Well, I was born on Prince Edward Island, so I am an islander. This is something that people love to be. Everybody wants to be an islander who lives here. Um, But officially, if you were not born here, you can't be one. So, well, it's a little too yeah, a little exclusive. (laughs) Anyway, so I was born and raised here, and then ended up. As I grew up on the island, like most islanders, we tend to leave for a little while just to see what's out there. So I went to uh, University of Windsor in Ontario to do my education degree, um, and I got married there and ended up staying for about six years there. But we had our first son there, and then eventually we wanted to come home because we were both from PEI. So we came home and found a house in here in Nine Mile Creek, and really enjoy being on the island and this is this is where we're meant to be so that's that's why i'm here so i've got a clarifying question about the exclusive practices of pei so i come from the west coast born on vancouver island if i moved all the way to the east coast having been born on an island 
would I, could I get the rank of Islander? I don't think so. It would okay. have to be this island. Got it. Okay, Islanders just, are very particular about this. Yeah, I figured they would be. Understood. <laughs> As a fellow Islander, I get it. Um, can you tell us, uh, Loretta, about your school? Yes. Yeah, so Emmanuel Christian School it was started about 35 years ago with just a small amount of students, just 10 students and uh, just grades one to five. So it was quite small. It was started by a few parents. And over the years, it has grown. We are now up to 189 students and in a newly renovated building for five years now. And we're actually seem to be outgrowing that building as well. Mm. We have that small school feel still where kind of everybody knows everyone. And we are just really have seen God's faithfulness through these years as there have been times where they thought the school was going to close. Mm -hmm. But it has grown greatly. And I find that our parents at our school just really care about the school and want the best for the students and teachers. We have a lot of volunteers at our school. We have, you know, with a small school, they're always working hard to, 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 get, to keep the school going. So mm -hmm. there's always lots of fundraisers and different things like that. So it's a really, really small and great community to be a part of. Great. Excellent. Um, now a little bit about you. Like you're obviously involved in Christian education. How long? Yeah, I've been in Christian education for just over 20 years. And it wasn't actually something I thought I was going to get into when I got into teaching. I went with the thought of, well, there's only two Christian schools on our little island. What is the likelihood of me being at it? And it just ended up that I got a job at Emmanuel, started actually the first kindergarten there. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't have kindergarten in our public schools until a little later, and uh, I had the first kindergarten class of Emmanuel with just six students, and have been there ever since, and love it. Awesome. Does that wait? Does that mean? Did I hear you right that Emmanuel had kindergarten before public education had kindergarten? Well, they were pu just putting it in the school systems, and Emmanuel did as well at the same time. Oh, I was hoping it was earlier because I'd be like, you were the first kindergarten <laughs> class of all PEI. <laughs> no, the but. kindergartens were like in churches and different spots and you didn't really have to go to kindergarten. Yeah. And then once the public school put it in, then Emmanuel did as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Tell us a bit about your classroom, Loretta. Uh, well, one thing I love about my classroom is um, on the wall, I have a poster there called Cre uh, Share Beautiful Work. Um, mm -hmm. That poster really just says to me what I want my students doing. I want them to be making their most beautiful work that they can make and to share it with somebody. And that poster means something to me because on that poster is a photo that I took. And so I'm sharing my beautiful work with the students when I put that up there. And so that's mm. just a constant reminder to us all. We point to it quite a bit during our school days. And it's just a reminder that they're always working on their most beautiful work. Mm. Loretta, maybe uh, draw us into kind of your community or your own interactions, how you interact with students. Maybe you could tell us a, a, a fun story about a student interaction. Yeah. So one of the ones that come to mind was it was just the first day of the 2020, 
2021 school year. So we had just been back to school after our shutdown, right? And we were all a little nervous about protocols. Anyway, it was the first day of school and I was sitting at my desk kind of nervously waiting for that first day. And one of the students came in with this giant sunflower and it must have been at least 13 feet tall. And he just came in and gave it to me. And I was like, wow, like this is amazing. So I was just taken aback and so surprised. And what had happened is the year before in June, when we were on shutdown, I had gone around. To, he was a student of mine last year as well. I had gone around to all the students' homes and given them an end of the year present and in that gift was su were sunflower seeds well mm. he got to work he's kind yes. of a little bit of a farmer himself got to work and planted those and it grew and grew and he was quite excited to share it with me so of course wow. i take a picture of this and put it on facebook because that's what you do and uh <laughs> say look what i got the first day of school and a cbc reporter picked it up and wanted to do a story on it because that's big news in PEI. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so we ended up getting on CBC News and then actually it made it on the national news as like a good news story. So him and I were pretty excited for a few days. We we felt like we were slightly famous for a couple of days. That That's amazing. Can I, can we, is it appropriate to know his first name? Yes, his first name is Landon. I think Landon is on to something huge here. I, I've never heard it before where someone has given a bouquet of sunflowers as a bouquet. But can you imagine if you're going to get a bouquet of flowers, <laughs> don't you think a bouquet of sunflowers is like over the top amazing? I, that's, that's, I, I'm going to steal that from Landon. I think that's an amazing idea. I'm also thinking we need to get a link in the show notes to that story. We should be able yeah. to find that because that is, that is excellent. Now, Loretta, in every episode, we, we like to focus on a practice or an area in education that uh, you're interested or passionate about. Um, and uh, what do you want us to focus our conversation on today? Well, the, over the last few years, I've been really passionate about project-based learning. And we've tried to instill that as a way of teaching in our entire school, actually. And it's just a way of teaching that has ignited some excitement in me that I really didn't have before. And what I love about project-based learning is that it really instills a sense of wonder with the students. It brings out that um, authentic sense of learning that, we, that I didn't always have. And I find that it helps the students really take on a sense of ownership of what they're learning. And I just really love the authentic part of it, like real work for real people. I just, mm -hmm. that has, that is what I guess made me really excited about it. And I've done quite a few projects now and uh, I've just seen learning happen happening that I, that I hadn't seen before. Mm. Awesome. I, I do want to call a time out here for just a second because don't you teach kindergarten? Grade one. Grade one. Okay. Not that Great. that makes that much difference in my world as a middle school teacher, but uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people think PBL and they think, oh, you know, maybe not in the primary. So I'm, I'm just looking forward to hearing some stories about like, how does that, like, obviously as Christian educators, we want to invite kids into the story, but can you tell us a little bit about the story you're trying to invite kids into in a primary classroom doing PBL? Yes. Yeah. I, it's just, it's exciting to invite them into this story and to see God's work in like, his story coming out as as I do these projects. And uh, one of the projects that I really saw that come out was in a 
project I did called Neighbors Not Strangers. And what I did is want the students to see who and what and the things that were in our school community. So what I did basically is take them around to different places and things and people in the school community. And they learned about so many things and the purpose for those places. And uh, not only the purpose, but also I tried to instill that sense of uh, who are our neighbors and how can we show our love to them? Mm. So we went to a lot of different places. We went to the police station. We went to the mayor's office. Uh, I, I couldn't even name all the places we went. <laughs> but one of the ones that we really had a great experience with was the local seniors home. So we went to um, uh, and ended up having a relationship with the seniors there. So they all had a senior buddy there. We ended up visiting that, them that during that time, but also throughout this whole school year. So we ended up doing different things for them, sharing things with them, even future projects. We shared some of our projects with them. So hmm. that was a really, really special part of that project. But what we, our project was in, in our community project was to make an ABC book. So we made an ABC book of all the people, places, and things in our school community. And they had to share what the place was and what its purpose was. And then we ended up making copies of these and sharing them with our new students at the school. So those JK students, those students mm -hmm. that didn't know anything about the school. So they read them to them and then the students got to keep those as well. And then our principal has one in his office as well. So if any new students come, he can share that with them as well. It's awesome. We should have got uh, your grade one class to do the opening place uh, description <laughs> of uh, PEI yes. in Charlottetown and Emmanuel. They would have done a much better job than I did, I'm sure. Me too. Um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Uh, Loretta, I don't know if it, it connects to, you know, Darren's comment about primary and PBL, but can you talk about struggles you faced? Yes. Yeah. With, with PBL, we always are wanting our students like to do their most beautiful work. And that usually involves a few drafts of your work. You don't always just get it the first time. Um, and I think for little students, they don't always see that. They were like, they just think they do something and they're finished. Mm -hmm. So sometimes trying to show them how doing these drafts and getting feedback from their peers it's kind of, it's a training you have to do with them. And for the most part, it's usually we, you train them and they can do it quite well. But I have had struggles with them on not wanting to have feedback and just be done with their project. Or also I've had it where they have been sensitive to the feedback they've been given from their mm -hmm. peers and they almost want to defend what they've done. But I, mm -hmm. I try to show them that there's a reason for this and it's to help them. So i and there have been times where they, I've had students not want to do it, but I've really encouraged them to do a second or third draft and they, and I show them the difference and they're like, oh, wow, like they mm -hmm. can see it then, right? Like, um, and showing them like that video, Austin's Butterfly really helps too. So mm -hmm. that kind of thing really, really shows them how they can improve and make their most beautiful work. Mm. Wonderful, Loretta. I appreciate that story. I think there's a lot of adults out there that don't want to do drafts and iterations. Um, so starting them early, well done. Um, <laughs> their employers all over PEI will thank you later um, as uh, as these kids mature. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about your role in supporting your students. And as Christians and as a, in a Christian school, we also know that we rely on God to support us in the demanding role. How have you seen God walking with you as you've taken this journey with DVL and especially in the primary? Yeah, I feel that I could always, I can always see like God's story being told and what we're learning. Even when I didn't intentionally mean for it to be told, it, it has come out. Um, one of the PBL projects I did a couple of years ago, or even, even last year too, was, is on animals and farming. And in that project, we have part of the project is that we incubate eggs in chicken eggs in the classroom. So this is a, such a valuable project. The students really do become like farmers, caretakers. They learn the needs of these eggs <laughs> and what is happening in each in the egg each day. And they just they become and then when they hatch of course that is very very exciting day uh, mm-hmm. and then they learn to be how to be gentle and how to take care of these chickens after they hatch too so i find they learn real like real lessons about how to be gentle how to nurture and a lot of this learning i can see god's hand in because they're caring for creation they're learning about order and how things have to be in a certain order and um I've just seen so many, so many ways of God's hand coming out in that project. Loretta, we, we recognize as educators, especially Christian educators, that as we invite students into God's story, we also continue to be invited into God's story in different ways. And it, you know, being a teacher it not only changes students, but yourself. I'm curious how PBL or how your new, uh, some of the stuff you're trying out has changed you or your students. Yeah, it has changed me and my students, definitely. Um, When we make learning more authentic and real, it really inspires the students um, in what they are taking on as what they need to learn. So the students now see what they are doing is something that is real and needed. They want to do their best work because this is actually going to impact someone. Mm -hmm. So, for example, with that farm project that I had been talking about, they were working on making posters for a local petting zoo. And these posters were going to be going up in the barns and children from other, all kinds of other children would come and see them. And I remember overhearing one of the groups chatting and the students said, we have to do our best work because lots of kids are going to see this. And when I hear this, it makes me as a teacher realize that what the work that they do matters like, and it needs to have a purpose. Mm. So I think as a teacher at PBL, that really came out, like this needs to be authentic work. And it just motivated the students so much more. And uh, from there, they can be doing real work for real people. So that, that just made the learning all the much better. And I think even in the, cause not everything I do, is project-based learning. There's Mm -hmm. other subjects that I don't do it all day long, but I really try to put that authentic piece in in with their work. Mm. I love that. Loretta, your encounter with PBL came kind of, you know, midway in your career. You'd been teaching for a number of years already, and I'm just curious to follow up on Jeremy's question. So, your, your school leadership introduces you to PBL and invites you to consider implementing PBL 
are you just naturally a risk taker in that sense? I mean, it's a pretty significant change in practice. Like, can you just describe a little bit those first encounters with PBL as a, a teacher and what that was like emotionally or whether it was a simple transition for you or was it more complicated? Tell us a little bit about the way you encountered it. So at first it was something that was just introduced in a, in a one-day P, uh, PD day. And I really had to think about it. And I had to, I'm a thinker, so I had to go through in my mind, how is this going to work? And at first I was a bit skeptical and I was thinking, oh, this sounds really hard. I don't know if I can do this. I think maybe I just want to stay in my old ways and keep doing what I'm doing. But I talked it through with a, another teacher who had been doing PBL for lots of years. And I just talked it through every time a, a, to start a project. And it was a farm project. And she said, just call the farm, see if they need anything. I said, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, just call them up. So I called the farm and they said, oh, this would be awesome. We'd love to work with you. And that mm -hmm. phone call is what did it for me. Mm -hmm. And that just launched the whole project. And it be one thing after the other. And I was hooked. I was hooked after that. <laughs> Thank you, Loretta. Maybe just uh, kind of in closing here, is, is there one practice that you've used to intentionally build belonging in your class uh, with your students? Yeah. So a few years ago, we had some training at our school about restorative practices. And that really sparked our teachers and me, all of us, kind of to become more intentional about building relationships with our students. I think it's something we felt we did, but weren't really intentional. So we started practicing uh, morning circles. And I've uh, found this time to be so valuable in building relationships with the students. Um, you get to know who they are, you get to know their interests, they get to know who you are, and they get to know each other, which is just so, so important. So basically every morning we start off with a morning circle and we ask, I ask a question and I really encourage them all to, to give an answer. And it could be a simple question, like what's your favorite uh, food or what did you do on the weekend? Or it could be something like what brings you joy or mm -hmm. what made you sad this week or something like that. And it, I find it just really helps us to get to know each other, which is the best thing for teaching these students. Mm -hmm. Do grade one students know how to ride a bike? I, I'm showing my age here. They're learning usually in grade one and two how to ride a bike. So it's maybe a bit early, but I'm just thinking about our opening check-in question ourselves, a biking accomplishment, mm -hmm. whether that would be a fun oh, question. Some of them would definitely have a, a biking accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, and I love that, um, that question you just said about what was hard this week. I think so often we skip over lament and mm -hmm. the power of just inviting us as a community collectively into each other's sadness is a... Mm -hmm is a pretty powerful moment, actually. I'm, I'm just touched by hearing that little little bit. So thank you for that. Mm. Loretta, you started by talking about beautiful work, um, your own embodiment of that. You, but you also highlighted the process, what it means to actually, you know, go through drafts and, and create a belonging community where it's safe to take those risks. It's awesome to hear you talk about the story of Christian education that you're living. Is there anything that we haven't brought up that you'd like a chance to connect on or to mention? Is there anything we've missed that you'd like to bring up? Oh, I would just say if you haven't done PBL and want to try, I'd say just go for it <laughs> because it's such a 
great way to to teach and to and for our students to learn. So if you don't want to sell the farm, at least just call the farm. Just call the farm. Yeah, exactly. Just make the call. It'll awesome. be It'll be okay. <laughs> would, a, would a petting zoo fit under the uh, farm category or the zoo category? <laughs> for anyway, thank you, Loretta, for sharing your journey. We're going to transition to something we call our celebration of learners. On the Every Square Centimeter website, we have a wonderful gallery that we call our Celebration of Learners. It is populated with wonderful people that have joined us on our podcast, shared a bit of their journey, and had at least one other person write something nice about them. And today we have more than one person. So we have Tom Dielstra, Principal of Emmanuel Christian, and Kim DeBoer, Vice Principal of the High School, co-writing this letter for Loretta. Justin, do you have that letter? I do. All right, Loretta, from your colleagues. Loretta is such a blessing to our school. Loretta's our longest serving teacher, having taught at ICS for over 20 years. She's taught many students over the years, and there are so many awesome things she is known for. Mrs. A loves class dance parties, pajama day, birthdays, singing worship songs, and excellent learning. Three years ago, Mrs. A began to embrace project-based learning in her classroom, and she has since transformed the learning in grade one at ICS. Her students have explored our community as they learn about local neighbors, produce food charts for a local farm as they discovered how farm animals live and grow, and have created artwork for a floating classroom in our national park. Mrs. A is a total rock star teacher, and she is a joyful gift to her students and to school community. From Tom and Kim. Thank you. That's really, really kind of both of them. And both of them have been a huge support in my PBL journey. So mm. thank you. I'd like to know what the top dance party song <laughs> is in a grade one classroom. Oh, yeah, it's usually something like, everything is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Nice. Loretta, if anyone wants to connect with you, how could they do that? Yes, they can email me at landerson at emmanuelchristianschool.ca, or I also have a few entries in a blog at mrsateaches.ca. Awesome. We can uh, put that blog in our show notes. Thank you. Listeners, we would love your involvement in this podcast, so please email us as well, everysquarecentimeter at gmail.com. That's R-E at the end of centimeter, the Canadian way. Send us your feedback. Tell us about an educator that you should that we should celebrate or maybe just a fun teacher anecdote. Before Darren sends us off with a blessing, I want to thank Loretta for hosting our troop, our town townie troop, and ask if anyone knows what a group of animals form a troop. So maybe Darren will start you off, start off with you today. What, what do you think? Well, I feel like element elephants form a troop, but I don't think there's any elephants in PEI. So it hasn't stopped you before, Darren. But I am going with one I've gone with before because I feel like otters oh, might yeah, be a troop. A troop of otters, love it. Justin, what do you got? I think this is a previous guess as well, but I'm going ants. Oh yeah, 
the ants go trooping one by one. Yeah. Okay. Loretta? I'm going to say a troop of foxes. Oh, nice. Did you know this, Loretta? No. Because the most, the most visible wildlife on four legs in PEI, even in urban areas, is undoubtedly the fox. Scientists Arrow. aren't sure of the exact numbers, but believe the island's fox population is thriving and healthy. So I did a little deep dive. So congratulations. Ding, 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 Loretta. <laughs> nice, Loretta. Oh, well done, know. Loretta. <laughs> so a little, uh, a little research from Foxy Facts on CBC's website. This is Interesting, it was part of the economy, the history of the economy there. Uh, the fox farming industry began in 1890 in Western Prince Edward Island when a couple of businessmen captured black and silver colored, colored foxes and began a secret breeding experiment. The two made millions of dollars selling the pelts. Eventually, they sold breeding stock to others and became a whole industry. Uh, sounds like there's a checkered past there. Anyway, <laughs> foxes are quite playful. They love to steal shoes, pool noodles, and children's toys to chew on like a dog. Remember, they are related. So one uh, person recalls the story of a friend who spotted a fox trotting through Charlottetown with a wallet in its mouth. When the man encouraged the fox to drop it, the animal would run just out of reach, then turn around and look at the human he wanted to play. So my question to you, what would you do if a fox stole your wallet? How would you try to get your wallet back? Justin, what do you got for how you're getting your wallet back from Mr. Fox? All right. Well, has anyone seen the movie Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yeah. It's a what? Wes Anderson Fantastic movie. movie. Yeah. So I'm going uh, chickens. I'm going to okay. barter. <laughs> Sorry, chicken, but you're going you're going down for my wallet. Sacrificing the chicken. You're, so this whole scene I'd love to capture. You're going to capture a chicken first. <laughs> no, I'm going to go run in the house, grab oh, one of my... Okay. You're backing your truck up like Darren was backing his truck up to the uh, beef. Uh, okay. Okay, chicken. Uh, Darren, what do you got? How are you getting your wallet back? I was also thinking barter because this podcast is for families as well. So my first solution was not necessarily uh, appropriate for this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Safely. Loretta, maybe you've experienced a fox stealing your wallet. Have you had that? No, but my shoes did go missing at the beach one day. And I wonder oh. if it was a fox. And there is a spot near the beach, near some cottages, where people lay out all the things that the foxes have stolen. And they put them there on the picnic table. And you can just go pick up your things. So I'll probably awesome. do that. <laughs> so you're just going to wait it out. That's yeah. Yep. <laughs> wait it out. He's borrowing, not stealing. It's totally fine. (laughs) We used to have that with golf balls. The fox would steal our golf balls on the course and they'd hide them in their holes and we'd find them. Yeah. So I would do it what I do with my dog. I would try to find someone else's wallet and then throw that wallet because then the the fox would go for that wallet and I would try to get that. I think what I would. So Darren, you have a blessing for us uh, today. Yes. uh, This blessing today is inspired by Isaiah 40 and Christine Kemp and uh, pastor at Bakerview Church here in Abbotsford, British Columbia. So listeners, Loretta, uh, gentlemen around this table, go in peace, love and care for one another in the name of Christ. And may the power of the Holy Spirit make the rough places in your life smooth. May the dark valleys of broken relationships be filled. May the rugged mountains of pressure with unfinished tasks be leveled. And may the way of the Lord be made ready in you. 
and may God bless you and shine forth from you today and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Stay encouraged, educators. We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.